All right, all right, what's up AFC? I hope everybody is doing well tonight. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt, and I usually preach without a stool, but I'm just gonna be um, completely honest and say I just don't feel good tonight. And so I thought that'd be good to kind of be open with you about right now, so if I start throwing up and Taylor gets up here and has to give his uh, on-the-spot testimony, then that's, that's just explained right now. So uh, just getting that out there right now. Um, if this is your first time tonight, um, I'm pumped that you're here. I'm also sorry if I shook your hand. I don't think it's contagious, but um, I am so excited that you guys are here tonight. Um, this is our last meeting of the semester. It's been a great semester, but we do have a couple of things to kind of celebrate the end and what kind of happened at AFC this year. Um, first of all, on, uh, on Saturday, we have a barbecue planned, and every single one of you are welcome. Even if this is your first time, you're welcome. It's Saturday uh, behind, at the park behind Starbucks on Espina, the one that's kind of down a little bit by the pool. So Mason's putting that on. You can find Mason right here. Um, there might be info in the back, but that's Saturday at 4. And then tonight, what we usually do after AFC is we usually have uh, tea at Taylor's. We usually have sweet tea at Taylor's house. He opens his home. But tonight we thought we'd blow it out a little bit more, and we have a bonfire set up in, uh, in the parking lot back here. So immediately after service, just um, feel free to wander over there. We have 25 pallets to burn. We have music and, and drinks and tailgates to sit on. It's just going to be a good time tonight as we kind of celebrate everything that happened this semester. So um, I'm going to start the service off a little bit differently than usual. Because uh, for some of you tonight, uh, this is the end of your semester. And you'll be back next semester, and you'll be back with AFC, and you have a little bit ways to go um, with, uh, with schooling and with the ministry. But for others, this is, uh, this is it. You're graduating in a, in a couple weeks. So we want to kind of honor you guys. So if you're, a, if you're a senior and you're graduating in a couple weeks, or if you're getting your master's in a couple weeks, if you'd come up or stand up and then walk up front, please. You don't have to do anything embarrassing. You're just going to get a little gift. You guys can give them a round of applause. Hey, can you pass these out for me? I don't, I don't know if they're all in. I don't know if there's. Yeah, if they're not in there, just give the cards away. And then if there's too many, one, two, three, four. Oh, that might be perfect. What, uh, and, and then just stay up here for a little bit. What this group represents is this represents a, a group of individuals who finished well. Was there enough? Okay, perfect. This represents a group of individuals that, that finished well. Um, their time at New Mexico State was spent not just pursuing worldly things, but, but pursuing the cause of Christ. And so tonight we celebrate them, and we're excited. And I want to pray over you guys. I want to pray a blessing over you. But first, there's another group of individuals I want to recognize. Um, the, this ministry does not work without the help of interns. Every semester there's a guy and a girl intern, and we just had two rock stars this semester. So if Jacob and Tessa will come up here, please. Uh, and then lastly, when you, when you get rid of interns, you've got you to gotta replace them. And so tonight we're also celebrating the two individuals that are going to be with us on staff next semester, and that's Adam and Melissa. <laughs> now the, the, gift or the gift I gave Adam and Melissa might actually better be, be described as homework. It's a book by Francis Chan called Multiply. Uh, now, Multiply is a, uh, it's a book about um, multiplying disciples, and not just the new interns, and not just the old interns, and not just the graduates, but what AFC wishes to establish is multiply for the kingdom, year in and year out, and that's kind of the group that you see right here. So if you all would do me a, um, a big favor and just um, pray with me and for these individuals, that would be great. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for um, godly examples like the group of individuals standing in front of me right here tonight, Lord. And, um, out of campus and in a city that tells us worldly things are worth pursuing, I'm sitting here looking at individuals that have uh, pursued you, that have pursued the cause of Christ, that have pursued um, godly things and making your name famous on that campus, and we're thankful. We know, Lord, this is just a season of life that's ending for some, and they're going into the next season of um, starting families and starting careers. God, I pray that you will just um, immensely bless every single one of these individuals up here um, because of the blessing that they were to this ministry. Lord, we, we thank you for your son. We thank you for what he did on the cross. In his name we pray. Amen. So uh, tonight we're, we're at the end of a five, we're in week five of a five-week sermon series on the book of Joshua. And so um, if you've been here before, you're going to hear some repeat language right here. Uh, this is just, uh, the book of Joshua is a book about where things start going really, really well for God's people when they finally start listening to the thing that, things that God asks them to do. From a believer's standpoint, uh, this is a book of victory. This is a book of celebration and, and seeing God be, be faithful to the things that he's promised his people. Now, the book of Joshua is divided into four parts, as we talked about. That's on the next slide. Cross, conquer, divide, and serve. The crossing of the Jordan, the conquering of the land, the dividing of the land for the inheritances, which we talked about last week, and serving the Lord in the land, which we're going to talk about a little bit tonight. Um, for those of you who haven't been here, this is a story about God's people finally inheriting the land that was promised them. In the first two sections of the story, crossing the Jordan and conquering the land, um, we saw God do miracle after miracle. Even just crossing the Jordan River was a miracle so that the Israelites would cross on dry land, right? Secondly, we talked about um, conquering the land with miracles through miracles of war. So God causing the walls of Jericho to fall flat at some shouts or the sun to stand still in the sky so Joshua had more time to finish a, Bible, a, a battle. We saw miracles in this time. And last week we talked about how the Israelites finally got their inheritance. Physically, the land that they were promised, um, they're going to get to put homes on their land. They're going to get to, they're gonna get to uh, enjoy their inheritance. And, and there's rest in the land. There's rest in the land. The fighting, for the most part, is done. The dividing of the land is done. But now the question is this. It's like, okay, Israel, here you go. Here's your land. Here's your blessing. Here's your inheritance. Now what are you going to do with it? God got you here, now how are you going to serve him? Now the only problem with this in the, in the history of God's people is that God's people have this tendency to be complacent during periods of blessing. Take the Garden of Eden, for example. Everything is perfect. The food is good. There's no sickness or death. You get to walk around naked with your girlfriend. I mean, this is some, this is some good stuff right here. And, and man becomes complacent. Actually, woman becomes complacent, but we won't get into that tonight. That's another, that's, that's another talk. Um, move forward a little bit. The Israelites are, are broken out of slavery by God, and it's not, it's not too long into wandering in the desert. It's not too long to being uh, in the desert where they, they build false idols and they start worshiping other things. And then later in the Old Testament, there's examples of where the people want a king. They're, they're complacent with the, the order of things that God has set up, and they want a king. And it's just example after after example, this vicious cycle of God doing amazing things for his people and the people not being satisfied. And we do this too, or, or at least I do. Um, think about, in, in relation to this, think about the progression of your schooling throughout the years. In elementary school, what was it you looked forward to? You could not wait you could not wait to change classes, right? You wanted to get to see other teachers throughout the day. 
when you're in middle school, you can't wait for high school. You can't wait to go off campus for lunch, right? You want a little bit more freedom. Then you're in high school, and you can't wait to bust out of high school, go to college, get to do your own thing, go to bed when, whenever you want, and, uh, and just have a little bit more freedom. And then in college, you're like, man, I'm sick of being broke. I'm sick of being broke, and I want to go into this next stage of life. Um, the next big thing is never enough. I think this is dangerous, um, but I also think it's by design as well. On the one side, we need to recognize what God's done for us. We need to recognize what he's going to do for us, how he stepped up when we couldn't. But on the other side, uh, it kind of points to this idea that we're not supposed to have all our longings satisfied here. I've used this quote before this year, and I'll use it again because it is one of my favorites. It's a C.S. Lewis quote that will be on the screen right here. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we are made for another world. Complacency in this world uh, often comes from a misunderstanding about the next. I have the, uh, I have the opportunity to sit across from non-believers um, pretty often over coffee. And I sit across from non-believers that have more money than me. And I sit across from non-believers that have nicer cars or homes or, or nicer worldly things. And, and can I tell you what the most freeing feeling in the world is? It's to sit across from somebody like that and, and to not envy one thing that they have over the faith that I do. I'm as wealthy right now in this moment than I ever have been in my whole entire life because of my relationship with Christ. When, uh, when Robin Williams killed himself last year, it, uh, it really made me stop and think. I don't know why this one in particular had such an impact on me. A man with more money than he probably knew what to do with, uh, all the fame you could imagine, women if you wanted them, cars and mansions, and yet, and yet this life wasn't enough. He still had this sadness and this, this longing. I know this is an extreme example. I get it. Um, but when we get complacent and don't understand the things God has planned for us, or maybe more importantly, the things he's already done for us, this life will not make sense. We, uh, we want to remember what God's done for us. And Joshua, before he died, wants to remind Israel of this as well. We're kind of in the last two chapters of Joshua tonight, um, chapters 23 and 24. And we'll start in 23, verse 1, a short statement that simply says, when the Lord had given rest to Israel. So this is kind of what we talked about. They're in the land now. They've, they've got their inheritance. The land has rest now. There's no more war. Well, uh, what I mainly want us to realize now is that this, this promise is now theirs, the reward, the inheritance. And in verse 14, Joshua reminds them of God's faithfulness. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. Sometimes it's good to hear from a leader how things are going, uh, especially if they're going good. The nation turns into the president's State of the Union address. Usually annually they tune in. They tune in to hear if things are getting better or worse. Um, The president usually tries to put a spin on it that is better. Um, that's every president, not just this one. <clears throat> and so this is kind of Joshua's State of the Union address right now to the, to the nation of Israel. And let me tell you, things are pretty good. Things are pretty good right now. This whole book is about victory, when God's people finally start doing what they're supposed to. But in verse 15, Joshua lays down the law in regards to what will happen if they change their ways, if they go back. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you 
all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. See, God's not this like, God's not this wishing well type God where you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray for something until you finally get it and then your spiritual responsibility is over. On the one side, God blessed his people with an abundant land flowing with milk and honey. Um, they listened to his commandments. They won battles. They conquered the land. They got their inheritance. But he is very quick to remind the people. He says, hey, this isn't where, this isn't where we go our separate ways. In this land, in this blessing, um, you are to serve me. And if, and if you don't, things won't go as well for you. And if you haven't walked with the Lord for long enough to experience this, um, let me tell you how true this idea is. Uh, this life simply makes more sense when it's in pursuit of the cross. In scripture, many, many, many times, and in the book of Joshua, many times, God uses language similar to this. He says, do not turn from the right hand or to the left, but keep your eyes on me. In the New Testament, it's, it's uh, more often put, keep your eyes on the cross. Keep your eyes on the, on the one who got you here. But, but why do I say cross? When we're talking about the book of Joshua, a book that was written five, more than 500 years before the cross, why is it important to talk about the cross? The book of Joshua is what we call a Christ type, meaning that this book preludes what is to come with Christ. Joshua is this temporary Messiah role, right? Joshua is the leader of the people, and his job is to take the people into the promised land. That correlates to Jesus, the final Messiah, who leads us and, and our people into salvation and into eternal life. Uh, we see the correlation, right? Once we have that experience with Christ, once we're saved, the work doesn't stop there. Most of the New Testament is Paul writing to the church. He's writing to believers. He's writing to us, teaching them how to live a godly lifestyle. A godly lifestyle, huh? This is the disconnect. Right here, this is where non-believers say, that, that's it with me in the Bible right there. We see passages of scripture like this, and we're like, man, see, this, this is the problem I have with religion right here. This sounds like rules. This sounds like lifestyle choices. This sounds like me being told what to do, and I do not like to be told what to do. Naturally, we don't like it. But from a guy who's been on both sides of it, especially at my time here in school, from a guy that's um, lived the way of the world, I did all the things that you see on the typical um, college posters, the college idea of what the world paints college to be, I've been there. I've been over here too. I've been over here where the cross is the most important thing in my life, where my faith is what defines me, where my faith is what, uh, what I identify with. I don't brag about my past, but I love that my story can vouch for both sides because I know what side is better. And I know some of you in the room are similar. And that's what the book of Joshua is all about. This life with Jesus is better. Things go better when we follow God. I feel more free now than I ever did before when I could do what I want. Isaiah 58, 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. I heard a quote recently that goes like this. This is God's universe, and God does things his way. You may think you have a better way, but you don't have a universe. The victory we see in Joshua is proof of this. So at the end of the book, before Joshua dies, he, uh, he gathers all the tribes of Israel together, and he, he renews this covenant with the people. 
This just means that um, Joshua is going to go over um, what God has told him to do. He's going to go over the law. He's going to go over the promises that have been made to them. He's, it's kind of like he's pleading with the people. He's saying, I'm about to die. So please, 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 please continue to serve the Lord when I'm gone. Verse 14 of chapter 24 says this. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. This is Joshua talking to the people of Israel. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell now. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So here Joshua is saying, okay, choose. Now it's your time to choose. You can pick to serve the gods of the countries that were just decimated, or you can pick the gods of the, the, the wandering in the desert, but for being my house, we're gonna serve the Lord, the God that did, that did miracles for you, that broke you out of slavery, that has made promises to you. And see, we have a choice too. Now for us, it's not always other gods. I don't think most of you in here are, are praying to the God of rain or the God of um, A's on your finals. For us, it's, it's, it's other things. It's other gods. It's anything that steals devotion from the Lord. That is an idol. So it's hard. It's hard. We have idols and we have these passions and these desires. And some of them are good passions. And some of them are good desires. So if you're an accountant, go be the best dang accountant you can be. If you're an education major, go kill it. Go be the best teacher in your school. Hey, if you're on the football team, go win a national championship. Don't laugh. You have enough, I'm serious. You have enough people telling you you can't do it. Go do it. Go do it. Change the culture of the team and go win a national championship. And then go pro and then send AFC these big fat donation checks every week (laughs) so we can keep doing what we do. Go kill it. Go kill it. Nursing majors, graduates, our new interns, the rodeo team, band members, anthropology majors. I don't care who you are, where you classify yourself in this room. Go kill it. But. 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 There's always a but. You may absolutely chase these dreams. You may absolutely chase these passions. But. You must absolutely choose this day whom you will serve. All those things I mentioned before, all those passions, all those desires, they make far more sense when they're in the pursuit of the cross, when they come second to the cross. God has called you to receive blessing, to be his. He's called you to be his, but there's a level of responsibility that we give ourselves. So the question is, the sermon title tonight, who will you serve? Who will you serve? I can only tell you from scripture and from experience in my life um, what I've seen to be better. That's, that's the only two things I can tell you from, the scripture and my life. My passions and my desires, they make far more sense when they come second to the pursuit of the cross. Joshua says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now besides my little brother who I live with, um, here in Las Cruces, you are my Las Cruces family. And I love you guys. I love you dearly. And one thing that families do, and one thing I'm looking forward to when the day that I have a family is, is families eat together. 
So tonight, as a family, to wrap up AFC for the semester, um, we're going to eat together. And we're going to take communion as a family. If you're new to church or you haven't been to our church before and know how we do communion, um, pretty much all it is is it's, it's bread and juice. And in the next two songs, you have, the, you have the opportunity to prayerfully reflect on what we're remembering. The juice and the, and the bread are over there, and you can go at your own pace when you, when you feel ready to get up and, and, and take it. Um, but think about these passions. Think about these desires. Think about this blessing that you want God to, to pull you into. But then think about how that plays in relation to the cross. Think about the cross. Those blessings and those passions, those desires, those are a good thing, those are a blessing from God if they come after our relationship with Jesus. Tonight, um, we finish by remembering that, that, the, that the, the good book, that the Bible, from Genesis to Joshua and from Joshua to Revelation, it's about Jesus. And it's only about Jesus. And tonight, as a family, we break bread and we remember what he did for us on that cross. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for Joshua. We're thankful for testimonies of men who, uh, who served you and served you well. And we love to see how things went really well for your people when people decided to serve and to follow you. God, I pray that that be the, the heart cry from this group of individuals tonight. God, that as, um, as we have a campus and a city and a, and a nation that pulls at us and draws us to worldly things, God, I pray that you will just redirect us to the cross, redirect us to your son that we may serve him and serve him well. As for me and my household, says Joshua, we'll serve the Lord. And that is our heart cry tonight. Lord, most of all, we're thankful for your son and what he did on the cross. In Jesus' most precious name I pray, amen.